All right, I'm in the red. It doesn't make in my video. Yeah, me too. It doesn't make sense. I mean, my CPU is only using like six percent. So yeah, yeah. I but don't. it might not be a a CPU issue necessarily. Like we were having this right. trouble with OBS um, when we were figuring out the live show. It was just it was it sucked. Um, yeah. So all right. Uh, did you so on the track this mm. week? I, we had talked about like doing a Thanksgiving theme thing because Thanksgiving was yesterday. Did right. you get on that at all? Well, you know, I, I just really struggled trying to get inspired by this year's Thanksgiving. So, um, uh, no, I didn't. I just, I, I, I just figured I since we were like home alone, like no family or anything over, we would just, um, I thought we were going to knock that out yesterday, but yeah, I, I thought about it and then I just decided, you know what? Not for me. So I just, I couldn't get to it. Okay. Um, well, anyways, this Dipped in Tone episode... 14. 14? Wow. It's going to get really hard to keep track of that eventually. <laughs> it, it's already hard to tr keep track of for me, I'll admit. I have no idea what episode we're on. Welcome, everyone. Dipped in Tone episode 14. Uh, I'm Rhett. I'm Zach. <laughs> <laughs> that was great timing. <laughs> Oh man, uh, got a couple cool co topics lined up for you guys this week. Uh, we didn't get a track. <laughs> Slow down. down. We will. Slow down. Just sorry. Sorry. Getting ahead of yourself. <laughs> yeah. Um. Hey, if you haven't done so, you guys should uh, subscribe to the YouTube channel and wherever you are listening to podcasts. Wherever you're listening to this podcast, you should subscribe and i have a call to action for you guys this week for the first time ever uh you should share you should share these episodes share this podcast share the channel with uh anyone maybe you have uh, a wife that doesn't care about guitars or guitar gear at all maybe we could be her avenue into the guitar world maybe your uncle um who hasn't picked up a guitar since the early 90s maybe he's into this podcast you know yeah church groups yeah uh bowling leagues sweat right. whoever you you converse with on the regular yeah maybe you're checking out at like your grocery store and you're talking to the cashier and you're like hey you know what you get you should check out there's this podcast i, I watch or and listen to and uh That's it's right. called dipped in tone it's great you're gonna love it um here here it is and you can hand them if you have like um well floppy disks aren't really usable anymore maybe like an sd card maybe you take maybe you take uh so you you take like a go to youtube to mp3 converter you take this episode you convert it to an mp3 and you put it on just like a series of sd cards it is black friday so there's probably sd cards you could get like a bundle pack on amazon mm. yeah and then and then you could just get like 30 of them and just put them at you know just hand them out it's spread the holiday cheer with dipped in tone <laughs> eventually jump drives are going to be like um like after dinner mints like they're just like even now like small ones that they don't cost right. anything right so yeah we should we or should just put a lot of episodes on them and like right. drive around and just throw them out of a car or something yeah yeah or you could do one of those modern art installations that they have in cities where it's just like a, a random jump drive stuck into like the mortar of a brick wall and people walk by and they <laughs> notice it and they're like wait what is that and and then they get curious right on their way to work every day they're walking by and like i've got to know what's on that jump drive and so one day they bring like their computer and they plug into it and then it's all 14 episodes of dipped in tone um that's probably really efficient um way to share our show i think hey there it is uh, oh, I think we hey. got it figured out. Yeah. Speaking of, uh, you should you should show your merch ideas, your merch designs that you were working on this week. Ready? So there you go. Um, <clears throat> I came up with a bunch. Of, now these are some that I've been working on for a while, but finally, like, I uh, got them in the Illustrator and prettied them up. Uh, if you go to our Patreon, if you are a Patreon member which, you know, if you're not already, it's only $2 a month. So go support us on Patreon. You can uh, give us your opinions on which designs you like. They're numbered. Uh, so you can say, hey, I like number one or number three or whatever. And soonish, we're going to be making them into 
to shirts. And I think some of them would do well as a sticker and things like that. So guitar picks, stickers, <laughs> coffee mugs, gig bags, gig bags, uh, straps, cables, um, uh, slip on shoes, um, quarter inch to MP3 converters would be good. I can't hear you now because I unplugged my headphones. So hold on. Okay, I'm back. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. There it is. Merch. It's coming soon. It, Just in time I for the holiday a, season. <laughs> we, we hope. I have so <laughs> many more ideas, too. I actually have... I came up with some more after I posted those. So, yeah, I think um, hopefully once we get it all figured out, we should be able to get a lot of things rocking and rolling for you guys to buy at very reasonable rates. <laughs> reasonable rates. <laughs> Sounds like a motel advertisement, like a Motel Six. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, it's a recurring billing for all these shirts. <laughs> so, what uh, what you get into this this holiday week? Uh, well, made a video. Uh, what is the P ninety sound? Had a had a good yes. time making that. That was actually a lot of fun to make. We actually used a lot of the footage that you and I shot at Carter Vintage a few weeks ago. Yeah. What year was that gold top that we played? Do you remember? Uh, I think it was. Did it have a rap tail or did it have a tunematic? Uh, I think it was tail. a fifty-six. Oh, oh, it was a rap tail. It was a fifty-four. It was stupid good. That day that we played, mm-hmm. we played. Uh, Gibson set up the whole thing for us at Carter. So, um, and we were able to shoot a couple videos over there, and so we played. Uh, there's a burst. There's a that killer gold top. There was a junior, fifty nine junior. There was a special there as well. There's a bunch yeah. of cool stuff. The best guitar yeah, that, that we played all day was that gold top, though. I thought. I think that junior. I think that junior oh, yeah. had had the most comfortable neck, and just like the most raw, in your face sound, but could sweeten up. I man. A double cut junior is is on my wish list, like a, a vintage one. Yeah, like a real uh, one. I've and that's a, that. Yeah, go ahead. Let me cut you off. Well, I was gonna say I've I've had a custom shop one, um, that was pretty cool, but the neck on it was like huge. It was completely unwieldy. Um, so I I would I love, love that. to have a vintage one. Yeah. yeah, and and the juniors and specials they're still attainable. So it's like one of the few vintage guitars in the right year that you can actually get. That's still like decent real money you know like you're, you're not going to spend thirty thousand dollars on one you might spend what six or seven on one yeah i mean honestly you can find some juniors uh double cut juniors not necessarily a single cut in beat condition sometimes for five or six yeah and you know it, they're they're not too much more than a custom shop of the same guitar so i feel like yep. if you're on the hunt for one of those just save and and get it the only bad thing about vintage guitars and we've never really talked about this but if you're saving to buy it right it it, by the time you get the money it may be more expensive you know yeah so i'm just texting with um with our new uh editor um a friend of mine he's i'm trying to get him to join in the discord here speaking of the discord uh if you want to join in live while we are taping this show to tape. We're actually recording this really to tape right now. Um, you can join our Patreon starting at just $2 a month. Link down below. Uh, and that money will go directly into paying our new editor to edit the show for us so that Zach can actually have at least some free time during the week. He's not filling up every hour <laughs> of his day doing something productive. If I wasn't doing this, I'd still be doing, I'd still be working. So. <laughs> Oh man. Um uh so what do we how was your week? What'd you get into this week? I don't I don't even remember. I I just it's been a just a flurry of uh food and uh, soldering. So I did I told you this um and I feel like we should talk about it. I bought some IRs on sale from Eminence Ooh, because yeah. I love Eminence speakers. I feel like mm-hmm. they often get shit on as like the cheap speaker but they make incredible speakers 
because you know I, I just never hear it part of the conversation everyone talks about celestian uh or something else that no one really talks about imminence and i love them so i bought the alessandro that's actually in my deluxe back here and the josh smith and then i think the red fang which is like a yep. british thing right they don't sound very good i Okay, so, so what it, what do you it, mean they don't sound good? Describe to me exactly what is wrong with them. Well, I, I guess it's not that they don't sound good. I think I just need to spend time because it's like, I think Michael Britt made them, which mm-hmm. is good. He's known for making good shit. But they, it's like every speaker in a third power cab mic'd with various mics. So there's a bunch of different mics sure. on the speaker. Right. And... uh most of them are just really harsh uh, in the top end. I mean, the the Alessandro one sounds really good, but the other two, I was just like, uh, I mean, granted, they're only like $12 a piece, and if you buy three, you get one. Well, if you buy two, you get one free right now. Right. So I only spent like 20-something bucks, but right. I was, I was kind of, I was kind of disappointed, so. Man, so I've, I've made impulse responses. I made a pack. Um, it is a colossal pain in the ass, I must mm. say, uh, is, is like, it, have you ever messed around with the Kemper, like profiling amps on the Kemper? I've, I've never done it, but I've seen, I know how it works, you know? Yeah. So it's even more involved and tedious than that. Right. Because you've got to, it, I'm not going to get into the nitty gritty details of it, but it's very complicated. There's a bunch of gear involved. It's not just like the microphones and everything. You got to have like a solid state power amp and a whole system. Um, and I made my impulse responses and it took me three or four tries till I kind of figured out at least the system that I like to get the sound that I was looking for. But the thing about impulse responses are they are totally dependent on how that person likes to hear a mic'd cab in that moment. It's literally just a snapshot of a specific cabinet mic and mic placement and preamp combination in that one moment in time. And so, you know, you kind of have to find who you like. Um, I've never tried any Michael Britt's stuff, but I have a lot of the Celestian IRs. My version of that is like the Celestian. I bought all the Celestian pack, and I don't think they sound good either. (laughs) Right. They're just too, um, they're too clinical sounding. Like it's very, just very matter of fact. Like here is a speaker, here is a greenback. There's no like character or vibe to them at all. So when I did mine, I, I mic'd up everything, how I would mic it up in like a real session and was able to capture it. But somebody who buys mine, who's not used to micing mine up that way might not like them. So you just kind of have to find whose stuff you like. Yeah, yours sound more like a recorded cab in like because when because I have yours and I, I I don't have many. I have the ones that came with the power cab, the Allure, whatever from Line Six, right. and then I downloaded some from Tone Junkies. Like they had some free ones, so that I you know I'm not I'm, I search free stuff all the time, right? And so and theirs sound okay, but yours sound the most like it sounds like a cab in a studio. The the right. eminence one sounds like a mic. It, it just sounds like a speaker. It it right. I think it would it would do well, like with the power cab or or you know recording with the the HX stump. But you yeah. really have to play with it. You know. Yeah, yeah. You got to tweak so. away, tweak away. Well, cool. So uh, yeah, yeah. That's that's what's up this week. Uh, we got a couple topics lined up for today. First and foremost, um. Clapton's Strat, old slow hand. What do we think about this? Starting bid is a million dollars. It's suspected. I suspect it'll go for two or a little over two. Uh, maybe even closer to three. Actually, when you look at like Gilmore's stuff, the Gilmore auction that happened what was that later uh, last year, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's going to go for yeah at least two million. Um. But I was looking into it and I was kind of surprised. Like I, I didn't know much about that strat. I'm a huge Clapton fan, but first of all, I didn't know it was a hardtail. It's a 54 mm-hmm. hardtail. And he didn't actually use it that long. It looks like he only really played it for like five years. And it was never really like a su- it wasn't like Blackie or like the SG or like the 335. It, it seems to be one of the lesser known 
guitars, even though it's got a name <laughs> like slow hand. Right. So, uh, well, yeah. yeah. What, what do you, what do you think about it? Well, I just didn't know it is. I, I was wanting to know is, is this coming from Clapton's estate or was this something that's already been sold? Um, I'm not sure. Let's oh, it's a company accompanied by Eric Clapton's signed certificate from the Christie's auction. So I think uh, this is like, an, a, a, has, this one's already been sold before. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was sold on uh, June 24th, 1999 um, for his, his auction to support the Crossroads center. Right. Um, right. Which I think that's pretty awesome. Cause like both him and David Gilmore, David Gilmore, like all his guitar money went to charity. Yeah. No, it went to is, climate change research, which was, Right, right on, uh, amazing, um, but yeah, I, you know, I I feel like I, I I thought I knew this guitar, but I was I think I'm thinking of the one he played in Derek and the Dominoes, which was it. I think it had a tremolo brownie. Isn't that what they called that one? Uh, yeah, he had like three okay. strats, and then when did he start playing the custom? So Clapton is interesting because I'm a, I love Clapton. And I love especially, like, my favorite era is, like, the Beano record and Cream. Those are my two favorite, like, Clapton eras. And then the record he did with J.J. Right. Kale, like, 2004, 2005, Road to Escondido. Mm -hmm. That record's really cool. But, um, man, his, the Clapton signature Fender, the Strat, like, the Clapton Strat, to me is, right. as much as I love Clapton, it's, to me, the, the least interesting Strat that they make I, I would that's probably oh. would be uh, in the in the lineup of fender strats that you could buy everything from custom shop all the way down to squire the clapton strat is pretty low on the list for me well i could see why you'd have a low interest in it but i do feel like it's not the i think it's one of the most unique because it has the tbx tone control and the boost circuit which is right. like what other strat has anything comparable to that uh so one thing that i thought was confusing is we were talking about this slow hand strat and so i went and got <laughs> slow hand yep um and i was like oh is that the guitar from that record no it's it's blackie <laughs> <laughs> and i was like why is this called the slow hand strat just because yeah so this Eric's strat called being slow a, hand i guess being a hardtail it's a 54 hardtail sunburst beautiful strat but apparently this was his slide guitar from like um, for five years, I believe it was. And on the, the tour that he was, was running at that time, apparently he only used it on two songs at, at that time. It's yeah. an open G slide guitar. And I just don't, it's like, so this kind of brings up a bigger conversation about artist owned guitars and the ridiculous yeah. money that they bring. Um, now here's the thing to realize about this podcast. If you are coming into this and you're new here, um, Zach and I are total hypocrites and we talk out of both sides of our mouth all the time. Case in <laughs> point. Okay. Remember a couple of years, uh, a couple of episodes ago when I was talking about, um, Gibson doing like, uh, the artist stuff, like, like, uh, the pearly gates and the, the monkey SG and all that stuff. And I was like, ah, I don't like that stuff. I would never buy one. I'm just not into that. Uh, well, okay. And then last week, what did they come out with? The Hendrix sg custom and the hendrix flying v and immediately i jumped online to try and find one and find out how much they were so <laughs> uh that completely negates everything i said a couple of weeks ago um i am i am a sucker it just the thing i learned is it's just about the the right artist um right but that being said I where are we at on these artists owned like actual guitars going for millions of dollars. I, I mean, I think it's, it's pretty reasonable. I do think that a guitar like this, that is not as known, you know, this was just a guitar he owned it. Granted he used it. And that says something looks like he played it 79 to 80, um, on the 79 tour. Um, Oh, and, and some studio work through 85. It's just like, it's not as notable as the other guitars, the guitars that you've seen him on stage that are so Clapton because yeah. love him or hate him, you know, he influenced an entire generation of guitar players. So I understand 
the appeal. But yeah, if it didn't have his name on it, this would be a a 54 strat, you know, hardtail's pretty rare. I mean, what, 50 to 50 grand maybe, maybe more. I'm not Yeah, I mean, I hardtail remember. 54 and it's it's it looks in good shape. Um yeah. I mean, it's total it's a total collector piece aside from the case. who owned it. Yeah, who owned it and played it. So, whatever whatever market is on that right now. I mean, you know, but <clears throat> The the question I have, and we've talked about this before a little bit in regards to like the uh, Songbirds Museum and and the artist owned guitars. It's like at what point does it cross the line from guitar to artist owned guitar to now a piece of history? For the record, I don't think this guitar crossed that line. I don't think this guitar qualifies as like a piece of musical history. Not like no. the the woman SG or the 335 maybe um or like Gilmore's Strat um but there is a line and it's it's kind of a broader question against even like the art world and the art collecting world overall i mean i think over the next 100 years we're going to start to see some of these instruments some of these guitars start to fetch prices of like i don't know like a picasso or uh, I don't right. know much about art, so I don't, I'm not gonna I'm gonna stop talking before I say something. <laughs> Picasso, stupid, but... uh, Dolly, <laughs> Picasso, Michelangelo, uh, Leonardo, Picasso, Raphael, uh, Picasso, Donatello. Uh, <laughs> who t- who did the Mona Lisa? Da Vinci, right? That was Da Vinci. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. So like, uh, don't don't ask me questions. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, I do think we're going to start to see that. And from from this perspective, if you're a collector, it's like, well, and if, if you've got the money, yeah, you could drop $2 million on this now, sit on it for... But again, I don't think this guitar is ever going to get there, though. I don't think this guitar is ever going to be that, like, big, big money, iconic, like, live in the Smithsonian kind of thing. Right. But, well, you know, you know, like, going back to that Hendrix thing, when... Did you watch the video that Gibson put out for that? I'm sure you did. Yeah. Yeah. And oh, it was awful. It was like <laughs> the worst Ken Burns ripoff like style. It was so s- stupid. But <laughs> like the the thing about that is like how many times did did Jimmy play those guitars? Like I don't like when I don't, when I think Jimi Hendrix, like I know there's pictures and videos of him using both those guitars. But I do not think or or hear in my head Gibson at at right. all, right? You know, so I don't know. I to me, like I get it because they're really cool looking. Like I mean, the custom SG is like you know whatever. I've seen custom SGs. The Flying V is cool because that's totally right. like that's only Jimmy with those split diamond inlays and all that stuff. But yeah, I don't know, like. Well, I think, you know, on that regard, I actually think the Gibson thing, like I would rather have a Hendrix custom, like a Hendrix Gibson than a Hendrix Strat because everyone has done a Hendrix Strat. How many flipped headstock white Strats have you seen out there, right? Like how many Monterey Strat copies have you seen? Like everyone out there has, has done it. It's, it's been out, you know, so to me, I like the fact that he's not known for playing. He's not widely known for playing Gibsons. And it's because right around the time he started playing Gibson, he died not long after that. Right. Like he got, I think he got the flying V in like early 1970 or 69 or something like that. And then died in 1970. So he played it for less than a year. So we think of him as being a Fender guy and a Strat guy because that's what he played. Uh, But, he didn't live long enough to really play. I mean, he was only really around and yeah, it was four years, right. Four or five years as Hendrix, as we know him, like that was not very long. So yeah, to me, the, the SG, I I like the SG more than the V. I thought it was, I thought, I mean, yeah, it is just an SG custom pretty much, but, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I just, there's, there comes a time when, some of these instruments, I would put like Gilmore's Strat up there that he auctioned off, which I think went for 
three million? Wait, Chat, look, look it up. Quick. How much did Gilmore Strat sell for? Um, you know, I think the like the Woodstock Strat from Hendrix, like things like that, are now kind of encroaching into that. Okay, these are oh. part of cultural history, and these are no longer like collectible items. These are oh. parts of, yeah, right. Uh, three point nine million, almost, Woo! almost four million. Woo! Wow. How do? But I thought the Gibson video was kind of cool. <laughs> I know you hated I, it. The, the, <laughs> the narration is so. It just seemed like, like, like a bad Ken Burns. It video it was or it was very um it was very like. Two thousand six movie trailer ish. I will say that. <laughs> right. That's that was the vibe I got um but but they are cool looking excited. guitars i like i i i dig the like the cases looked cool like everything about it was cool you know yeah. like that's 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 a win did you see that reverb or gibson is putting like prototypes and a bunch of random stuff on yes. reverb yes i wonder I, yeah. I wonder what that's about i'm i didn't even i so, couldn't find a link to it i think i think that's probably their er inventory so they're so Gibson, ER. they have what's called their ER inventory, which is like basically guitars like, okay, so the the um the Firebird that I have, the the pink Firebird, that's under their ER mm. inventory, which is like what they loan to artists. It would be like, okay, you can take this out on tour or hey, you can keep this. And I was just looking at that reverb shop and a lot of it is like, oh, this is artist played or demoed or whatever. And I think a lot, they're just trying to move through a lot of that inventory to get some of the new stuff in. But it looked like there was some good deals to be had on there. I mean, there's like a gold top. Uh, I don't know. It looked like a Gibson USA, but a gold top for like 16, 1700 bucks. Yeah, I see um, the classic. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't know. It's pretty, man. <laughs> it's fine. I don't yeah, I don't know. I just, I, I, I'm distracted. I'm looking at guitars. Um, <laughs> it's like I don't even want a Gibson guitar. I'll never buy another new Gibson guitar ever. Because um, you're man. But I still get Zachary. I am. Like you know, we've talked about all the ugly guitars I want to buy instead of the Gibson. So yeah, they, yeah. go back and listen. Yeah. It was like episode yeah. three or something. Yeah. Um, I still can't get on the Frank Brothers train. Sorry. Can't. missing out i'm gonna buy one and 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 you're gonna be yeah, like oh that's, that's fine. cool and then you're gonna get one no no probably not um well so anyways let us know in the uh in the comments i want to see what what people's guesses are i think that strat's gonna go for two right around two 2.1 i'm gonna put my bet price is right two okay. million and one dollar i think it's gonna go I think it'll go for three. I don't no, I don't think it'll go that high because it's not as well known. Uh, you think about Gilmore Strat 3.9, and you think this strat is almost as famous and desirable as the Gilmore Strat. I think people are as willing to spend I think I think whoever like Jim Ursay bought the the Gilmore Strat. He's like, you know, beyond wealth for the for the most part. Um I think some other lunatic is going to spend insane money. So closest <laughs> without going over, we'll see. Uh, and whoever uh, wins gets to spin the big wheel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're winning! You're winning a trip to Cabo, and two jet skis, oh, and a Honda Fit, <laughs> and, a, and a washing machine, <laughs> and an air fryer, and a dining room set. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my god man what a jolly uh, meant the price is right was i would love to be on the price is right i think i mean they're they're of all the game shows family feud and the price is right i um, never got into family feud but what if we had a what if we had a guitar based like a uh if reverb if reverb put on the price is right dude yes. we should i don't i don't know anybody at reverb but i was gonna say we should pitch them i do on that do you really i know some of that yeah i can i can send some emails we should no here's what we should do okay this is this is a genuinely i'm serious about this idea let's you and i get with josh scott and develop this like as a online web series price is right for we'll have reverb sponsor it they'll do all the gear and everything um and we'll be oh man We'll do a, a Price is Right game show for guitar players. 
I've already come up with a few names, and after this, I'm going to buy them on GoDaddy because I guarantee there's a Black Friday sale going on. So I want to buy the <laughs> domain names so we can. <laughs> Have you bought anything today? Uh, no, we looked at stoves again. Oh um, yeah, <laughs> but that no, that's I I I did get on um uh Reverb and like just scrolled through on there. Um, but no, I haven't. There's nothing I want. I don't like. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah. I want my solace. That's what I want. Right, right. That, that's all I want. I, uh, I I put like six things in my Amazon cart this morning while I woke up, and then I went back and was like, I don't I don't need any of this stuff. I don't need this shit. And so I just closed yeah. Amazon. I um, I do that all the time. Yeah. So all right, next segment, and this is one that I've been thinking about for a while. You and I have kind of kicked around here. Pedals. I think we're seeing a transition in the pedal world right now that will be talked about in years to come. First of all, you look at like, I think, what was it? What would you say? 15 years ago, right? The the pedal world started to kind of really take off like the boutique world and things like that. Mid 2000s, would you say? Uh, Yeah, I think uh, around 2000. 10 to 12, I feel like that's probably when it kind of really like the boutique world started. Yeah, that's when I got into pedals, right? And I remember at that time, like 2010, I was at AIM and didn't know anything. I had, I owned no pedals and I started going down to Atlanta Discount Music and the guys down there were kind of helping me out and just kind of teaching me the ways. They were, uh, it was my my pedal sensei, if you will, Jimmy down there at um, Atlanta Discount. So I remember that time. I remember JHS. I mean, I remember when they got JHS in, it was like a big deal. It was like, oh my God, JHS, this boutique brand. They had all the stuff and the stamps and everything. And I remember like buying an exotic preamp and then buying a box of rock and then, you know, buying all these pedals. And now I think we're seeing the next iteration in the pedal world, which is over the last 10, 12 years, however long it's been, we've kind of explored all of the space in terms of how many different ways can you do a tube screamer? How many different ways can you do a, you know, a Univibe or a phase 90 or a fuzz face or whatever? Everyone out there does a clone clone yourself included. Yeah. Right. But now what we're starting Wait, to I see. Do? <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. The Majolnir. Majolnar. <laughs> Majorn. Majorn. Yeah. It's a Swedish thing. So, now we're starting to see these pedal companies, both new companies that are popping up and established companies that are starting to experiment. And we're sort of starting to cross into pedals that are completely unique designs, completely new ideas. And they're starting to blur the line between effect and standalone instrument. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah. Because the one you were jonesing for why don't you tell the people about it because i don't understand it (laughs) all right so i think i just knocked something over so all right i have uh i feel like everyone out there probably has this thing right where they have like one or two brands that they're just they're just really into right Mm. maybe it's you like the stuff that they make and you like their sort of ethos and their ideas and everything like that, right? What do you have that, Zach? What would you say is like a brand that just across the board you're really into? I I love uh Ibanez pedal. It's just like the vibe, like it's so like Ibanez and, and Maxon stuff. It's just like it feels like even now, it's like 70s, 80s Japanese and they sound great. They're like you can't kill them. I don't know. I just I love that. I don't know why. It's so basic. Them. Well, you could, but so mine is hologram electronics. Yeah. Um, they're out of Knoxville. Yeah. They're really cool. Which is man. crazy. I, I like, so I have the, uh, the infinite jets, um, shout out to Subi. Subi is uh, a subscriber and, and a friend, and he's now one of the moderators on my channel. Um, he just, he sent this to me to, to borrow last year. Cause I had never really played one, never really tried one out. And he sent it to me <laughs> and he was just like, yeah, just, just, just keep it. So, um, I've had a ton of fun using this thing. If you've never played an infinite jets, they call it a resynthesizer. 
Um, I've used it a ton, and I'll be completely honest. I don't really know how it works or how to really use it. And to me, that's kind of the sort of appeal of it. Um, mm-hmm. I know for a lot of people, like you probably would hate that. <laughs> uh, but I, so they put I, up this. I wouldn't hate it. I just wouldn't be able to. I just don't care enough to like learn how to use it. Yeah. I think the point, at least my approach to it, is to not really learn how to use it, to just plug it in and twist <laughs> knobs until you get something cool out of it. You know what I mean? Um, sure. So they, they came out with a new pedal called the Microcosm. And I've been looking at it online. And one of my favorite things to do is watch channels who are not guitar channels on YouTube demo stuff. Um, so I, I watch a lot of like synth channels and, uh, like guys that use, you know, Moogs and modular synth and things like that. And that's a big crossover that's happening right now. Like pedals like this are crossing over between the guitar world and the synth world super hard right now. And so when I watch those guys demo these kind of things, it's really, really cool and fascinating to me. So Mm -hmm. I think I'm going to buy one. Um, I was hoping there'd be some kind of Black Friday thing but it doesn't look like there is on them they're expensive it's like 450 nope, yeah. bucks uh, or 50 yeah it's pricey but it's really cool it's to be honest i'm not even have, totally sure what it is or what it does <laughs> um, it's uh it says it's number five in loop pedals and samplers on reverb so i assume it's some sort of looper thing yeah and it's got reverbs and and samplers and uh, I don't know. It's just an interesting take. So the reason I like this stuff is because whenever I plug into a fuzz and overdrive, a delay and a reverb, like let's say I have those four pedals on my board, I'm instantly going to go to one of like four different sounds. I'm going to go for a fuzz sound. I'm going to go for an edge of breakup sound. I'm going to go for a, a slapback delay and then a big washy delay and reverb sound. And no matter what pedals they are, no matter how many of them on my board there are, how I'm running them, I'm going to end up going to those four sounds. When I pick up something like that, it's completely different than anything else I would normally go for. And I really like that. Right. Well, like, I think the counter argument to this being like a pedal, if you're using it mainly as a creative tool, just with your guitar, is there anything like that in the digital space where you like could just get a plug-in or some sort of oh yeah app or something you know that's not i mean that i I know i'm sure this thing there's something very important about having a tactile object with knobs to turn and how you you know can interact with it and play with it that is part of the experience but at the same time if you're just trying to be creative um you know, is there something out there that does that? I mean, maybe, I don't know. Oh, dude, there's so many different ways to skin this cat, right? Like you could right. totally just plug straight into an interface and use a bunch of different plugins. You could you could go to one of those modular synth um, plugins online and, and plug a guitar mm-hmm. into. I mean, there's so many different ways. I, though, like you were saying, am a very tactile person. I like having a physical object in front of me with knobs and switches and buttons that I can manipulate in real time. Um, right. I don't work. I, I hate interacting with sounds using a mouse and keyboard. I don't like it. Yeah. I, I don't yeah. like mixing with plugins. I don't like, um, even if it's just a control surface, like if you have a, just a digital control surface that's working, you know, this is what I wish Luna would get working, uh, is the ability to use a control surface because when you have that tactile, it's a completely different interaction that you're having when you can actually touch knobs and faders and stuff. Right. Have you seen the Empress Effects Zoya? I have. And I've kicked around like, the idea of getting one of those, but... Because it's like a modular synth in a pedal, essentially. Right. And so that um, there's this other side of it, too, where we're kind of like the pedal manufacturers are starting to sort of explore the space, so to speak. And I think some people... Like, I look at the Zoya and I just think, all right, that's way too complicated. Like, there's a fine line between an inspirational thing, something that you can just, like, pick up and get some sounds going quickly, and then something where you have to 
go through a bunch of steps in order to make stuff work. And to me, the Zoya just looks really intimidating. Well, see, I said the same thing. And the guys that shout out to East Side Music in East Nashville. Um, Those guys are great. A mythos, mythos dealer and some best dudes. Um, there are a lot of those guys like run studios and do all this stuff and they're part-time too. And they're really in the sense. And they were telling me about the Zoya and they love it. And I was like, this looks like just a complete mind fuck for me. And they're like, no, it's easy. You just do this. And I was like, oh, okay. So they said, it's not bad once you learn how to do it. But yeah, it's just like, like you said, it's, it takes a lot of energy, I think, to learn how to use these things correctly because like we've all been there with some piece of technology we bought, like either it's an instrument or just something as, as simple as like a camera, like yeah. learning how to use something properly to its full potential is not always easy. And that just, when I, you look at it, cause if you've not seen a Zoya, it looks like a black box with a bunch of, it's just got a bunch of buttons on it in a screen. And, yeah. um, it, it just looks like, it looks like one of those, um, like an Ableton live controller or something. Yeah, it does like a mini, like, yeah. Right. Like a launch pad or whatever. Right. Um, so I, I don't know. Th- to me, the whole pedal as an instrument thing is something that I have no interest in because I, I, I relate it back to when I, I, I tried to learn how to play drums. <clears throat> I bought a decent kit. It was like a, a, an older Ludwig kit and it was nice. It was like a, you know, like real wood shells and this is a good, this is a good drum kit, but I was spending a lot of time practicing drums. Right. And when I would finish practicing, I was like, Oh, that was great. I really should be practicing my guitar because there's so mm. much more that like I, that I want to reach. Right. Um, but I'm, I'm very much like a single lane kind of guy. Like I like, Guitar for me is just something that I have goals set for myself that I want to achieve at some point. And anytime I diverge from that, I, I feel like I'm doing my guitar interest a disservice. So like yeah. these pedals, while interesting, like, and that is not to say that being creative with something is not incredibly valuable. It is, but I every time I've played with something that is fun and and creative, I find as much joy when I learn like a new technique or like a new chord shape that, that flows along the whole pedal or a whole fingerboard or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think, I think you just have, you and I have different approaches to the guitar and different viewpoints of the guitar. So I, I look at it like, I think my main interest in guitar and in music is I'm really interested in sort of the 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 aspect of like creative expression through sound. That makes sense, right? Yeah. And like the manipulation of emotion through sound. And under that sort of umbrella, my chosen lane, my chosen sort of outlet in that arena is the guitar and everything associated with the guitar because there's something about the guitar's sound and the guitar's voice that spoke to me when I was a kid and that still speaks to me today. I get really excited when I hear great guitar sounds and great guitar playing. Um, I get just as excited about listening to Young the Giant and their guitar sounds as I do listening to Derek Trucks or Robin Ford or Mike Campbell or, I mean, any list of amazing guitar virtuosos and players and writers and producers. So for me, yeah. it's it's less about, like, learning, you know, how to, you know, get better at the guitar, setting goals for myself as a guitar player. It's more about, like, okay, cool, how many, what's a different sound I can get? And one of my favorite things to do is just, like, go in here and I'll pick four completely just random pedals and I'll patch them together sometimes, and I will see just what kind of crazy, weird, shitty sounds I could I could make out of it. You know, plugging plugging <laughs> yeah. a fuzz into a crazy reverb, and then putting like a some kind of you know modulation after the reverb, and just seeing what happens, kind of thing. So, from my perspective, right. pedals like this, the pedals as instruments, are a really cool way 
to achieve different sounds that I wouldn't think of coming up with on my own. So you look at something like that microcosm, for example. It's like a sampler, reverb, all kinds of stuff. Or the Zoya, for example. Essentially what you're yeah. doing is you are, or Chase Bliss is a great example of this, right? The mood pedal. I have a mood. I'm not totally sure how it works or what to do with it. I know a lot of people know that pedal inside and out. But for me, it's one of those things that every time I just plug into it, I just twist knobs until I get something that sounds cool out of it. But what's happening is I'm using Joel's and and what was it? Old Blood Noise and somebody mm. else that collaborated on the mood. Yeah. Anyway, I'm using their thought processes to and their ideas to kind of augment my own creativity and my playing. I, it's just a tool sure. to get a completely different sound than I would normally get. Now, am I ever going to use that sound on like a, a live set with the band? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Mm -hmm. But it's just a, it's a different tool for expression as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Have you ever messed with, and this is, this is a podcast in and of itself, uh, circuit bent effects or no, but equipment? I'm really interested in it, man. I'm, I'm this close. I'm right on the edge of diving headfirst into the modular world, the modular synth world. Oh man. Yeah. You have to wait till you get your house and then you can have like your <laughs> Yeah. Just a giant instead of thing. having like a instead of having like a train uh miniature train track thing where you like stand yeah. in the middle, you have have a modular track. <laughs> I I was gonna I was gonna ask you like when you're finding inspiration for for being creative, like for me, I get inspired so much more often by music that doesn't have guitar really featured in it because i listen to a lot of i listen to a lot of like which is ironic stuff without guitars like um chiptune stuff like you know mm. video game synth kind of yeah. things i listen to a lot of chill hop when i'm working like that sort of vibe is very relaxing when you're just trying to like do a boring task over and over and sometimes in 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 those styles of music you'll hear melodies or lines that just make you go oh how did they do that and and figuring out something that was done on a on a keyboard and transcribing it to a guitar is is not easy but it man it opens up so many new pathways for for inspiration by yeah. not just listening because everyone always asks me like what guitar thing are you listening to right now it's like most of the time i'm not because that exhausts me yeah yeah i don't i don't really ever listen to guitar music to be honest yeah. You know, the, the, the mm -hmm. most guitar-y thing I will listen to is like Tedeschi Trucks Band um, or like Robin Ford or some, something like that. But that's only when I'm like trying to work on something, when I'm in a space where I want to work on my guitar playing and listen to stuff. Uh, yeah. You know, with the exception of like, you know, I'll listen to ZZ Top and, and a lot of that kind of stuff because I just, I like it. But I'm more interested in songs. Um. And it, it really doesn't matter what genre it is. If it's a good song, I like yeah. that, you know, and that, that yeah. means everything from like Nas <laughs> to Coldplay to, um, Young the Giant to Maylene and the Sons of Disaster to, I mean, all kinds of different shit. So yeah. to me, that's what matters. And, and I do end up listening. Most of the stuff I listen to does have some kind of guitar in it even if it's not like the featured thing. I love music where the guitar is not the thing. It's a part of a bigger thing. Yeah. I, when it comes to the people who ignite the guitar community, as far as they're, they're playing, if they can't sing or their songs aren't good, like I can't really vibe with it. I mean, mm -hmm. David Grissom, amazing guitar player. Not the best right. singer in the world, right? You know, um, I I I I love his instrumental pieces. You know, they're incredible, really well thought out, well crafted melodies and and songs. But you know, there's a lot of people that are like that. Like, I, that's why I feel so lucky to to like know Joey like I do. Yeah. Because not only does he inspire me to play guitar, but just his voice and his songs are great. And so like that total package is the thing that I enjoy 
more. And, and, and a lot of songs that like Joey has or that, that I like the most aren't like guitar centric or there's no solo necessarily, you know? Yeah. I, I completely agree. Joey Landreth is a legend. I mean, he, to be as good of a guitar player as he is, as good of a songwriter and as good of a singer as he is, it's completely unfair. <laughs> I, and, and it's so funny because every person I've ever, because I've I've seen Joey play. Anytime I've been around him, there's only been one time where I didn't get to go watch him play, uh, and that was because I won tickets to go see Jeff Beck, which I was like, all right, oh, all right, yeah, come on. <laughs> yeah, Joey, pay, pay your Joey dues. was like, Joey was like, don't bother with us like go see jeff beck get out of here um but anytime there were other musicians there and i'm talking like josh smith like like big talent powerhouses they're like god he just pisses me off <laughs> dude yeah i i completely agree i can he and i were texting yesterday um we're gonna try and do i think we're gonna try and do something with the band which we have a name oh. did i did i mention that you sent me an image, but then I forgot to text you back because I was okay. Yeah, I don't know, we, we a, have a human being. settled. We have settled on the name for the band, so we are uh, <laughs> we're kicking around doing something with Joey and with the band, or with me and Joey. Um, I want to do a video with him, but I'm not sure what to do yet. So, uh, how to get good with Joey Landry? How to get G-I-T. real good? G U D. Get good. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so pedals is instruments. I'm for it. I'm here for it. Get. I, I want to see how how this expands over the next five years. I want to see what kind of crazy ideas people can come up with. What what companies are birthed out of this? What kind of collaborations start to happen out of this? I am I am here for it, man. Yeah, it's definitely it's a path of coming from a design standpoint that you have to be dedicated to because this is more than just like throwing resistors on a circuit board and and seeing how how much distortion happens this is programming this is legitimate technical knowledge that takes a skill set that i don't have and i don't have time to go to school to learn that stuff so uh you won't see it also it also takes an insane imagination to come up with this stuff like, what if we combined this and this and then passed it through this and then went through this and we put it all on a pedal and then here you go. Like, it, it does a thing. And I think as guitar players, I think a lot of us need to be a little bit more open-minded when stuff like this comes out. I think we need to be more willing to at least try something um, with, you know, with, with some exceptions, I guess, you know. But I, I think, yeah. you know... If if Hendrix or any of our our heroes of of days gone by had access to the stuff we have access to now, I'm completely convinced that they would be using and experimenting with a lot of the shit to see what they could come up with. So, 100%. try it out, man. Don't yeah. don't be old curmudgeonly set in your ways. Like I don't I don't use all that shit <laughs> like, on computers. Like me, <laughs> it's digital. It's got DSP in it. I don't use anything. It's got a chip in it. I see that. So I've seen that on my. Yeah. Comments. Well, I think. A, Man, I I see that too, and I will say that there are some things because if all if your only interaction with with digital signal processing is from the, like the DL four era and before, it's come a long way, and yep. like you know not to disparage the DL four, but it does change your sound when you have that on yep. your board. It changes your sound. I used to have two of them. It was like ridiculous. You know, it's like. You have to come around. So yeah, but here's here's the thing, dude. So last week I was on the live show. I was playing my my multi echo, right? The completely analog tape echo with a spring tank in it. There's not a single piece of electronic wizardry in that thing. And you know what? It changes your sound. It completely changes your tone when you put it in front of the amplifier. It changes your sound. But you know what? you deal with it. That's now the sound. Right. If you want to use that thing, that's now the sound, right? Like the sound of the tape echo in line in front of my amplifier is not, it's not transparent. It's not true bypass or whatever all these other buzzwords are. Yeah. Completely changed my tone, completely altered yeah. the voice of the amplifier, but I dug it and it changed the way I played. And having that thing, I think we get so caught up in like this idea that, Oh my gosh, my tone 
the, the tiny little electrical signal coming out of my guitar needs to say completely intact and pristine all the way to the front of the amplifier. It's like, or not just, right. just fucking just play. And, and if it sounds good, the sound that is coming out of your speakers is good and you like it, then it is good. It doesn't matter yeah. if you have input buffers and output buffers and, you know, are you, are, are, are what kind of cable are you using? And are, is it an isolated power supply? And is it, it's like, just if it sounds good, it is good. Just play your fucking guitar. How about that? I think that maybe, maybe next week or a week after or week after that or sometime, we should do a podcast that are rig pet peeves. Oh yeah, because I, I like that. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, do you yeah, want to move just, on to? Yeah, one oh, more fine. Ahead. Just to put one final point on it, this entire last two weeks, um. I've pretty much been playing. I've been playing every day, and every time I've sat down to play, I've been playing with the Axe FX3. And I did that because I haven't really given that thing a fair shake. I haven't given it like the time to really dive into it and figure it out. And so a couple weeks ago, I decided I'm really going to start doing it. It sounds good. It sounds good. The Axe FX3 is, in my opinion, you can get it to sound just as good as any real guitar amp any you know real signal chain whatever it sounds good it may not be right. your cup of tea you may not be into the the way it works the user interface the tweakability all that kind of stuff totally understand but but i'm tired of seeing people completely discount something oh because it's digital or oh i only play analog stuff if it sounds good it is good and it doesn't matter how you got there right how about that Yep. Sure. Sure. So there's a sticker. If it sounds good, it is good. There you go. Write it down. Seriously, I should, that, that should be a good one. <laughs> okay. Well, All you right. want to move on to our, our gear of the week, our shill of the week? Shill of the week. Let's get to shilling. All right. You want to go first? You, sure. So I got something. I got it out of my garage because this is where it lives. But I think it's, if you're a guitar player, um, electric guitar player and you don't have one of these or something like this you are doing yourself a disservice so this is um my toolkit and this is from mojo tone and they still sell nice. these it's the renee martinez uh toolkit and i don't know how well i'm going to be able to showcase this on the screen here but in here i, I keep another couple tools but this is um i just I fear all this is falling out. <laughs> there it goes. It's so what this is, I'll just pull some stuff out. <clears throat> it's a screwdriver that has yep. every attachment. So you have your basic socket drivers for tightening like a switch or a output jack or a pot. Uh, but it also has all the small flat Phillips head and Allen keys that you would need for like adjusting, uh, Whoop, a nut or a saddle. It's not going to focus so small, but get one of these. They're like 10 bucks for Mojo Tone. And in addition to that, get a setup ruler. This is another one from Mojo Tone. It's Renee Martinez. Renee Martinez was Stevie Ray Vaughan's guitar tech. He's now uh, John Mayer's guitar tech. And just keep all your tools in one little container. If you ever have to gig, put it in your gig bag. And you're going to be so glad you did. I keep my, my Gibson setup tool in here, my trust rod adjustment tool in this case. And, you know, all in, the tools in this were like 16 bucks with the, the ruler and the toolkit. The Gibson ones usually come with your guitar. Yep. This has saved, saved me the trouble of paying a tech just for little tiny things. Yep. Get, get one. Renee Martinez, yep. tool set. Yep. Put it in your gig bag whenever you get back to gigging. That's a great uh, like gift idea. If you've got some like a guitar yeah. player in your life or whatever, yeah, they're cheap, 16 bucks, 15 bucks. Uh, just having it in that case alone, I think, is worth the money, right? Because you can yes. accumulate those tools and stuff on your own, but just having it in that one like little succinct place, you throw it in your gig bag, you throw it in your amp case, whatever, 100%. I, I have so many Allen keys just like by themselves. God knows what sizes they are. <laughs> like, yep. they're just in my, my literal tool chest. 
it's a mess. But yeah, having them all there and just put them back up when you're done. We'll uh, we'll did. link that we'll link that down below. Yeah. Time for my shill of the week. So. Yeah. Uh, we both agreed we weren't going to do pedals. This is technically not a pedal, although it looks like a pedal. So everyone relax. All right. Make sure I get this in frame here. So the Iron Man 2 Mini from ah. Tone King. This is an attenuator for your amplifier. I bought this about a year and a half ago. This is the best attenuator, I think, on the market today. So um, if you're like me and you like to use amps live, you like to use loud amps live, i.e. my divided by 13 and other stuff, um, more than likely you're going to be in a situation where you're told to turn down. And when you do with the tube amp, if you're unfamiliar, it, com it can completely change the feel and the response and the sound of the amplifier. So attenuators have been around for years. They're nothing new. But this is a reactive load attenuator, which means it's acting more like an actual speaker. The resistance is, is variable. It's acting more like an actual speaker versus something like a hot plate, like a THD hot plate, for example. Or what are some of the other popular attenuators people have been using for years? Uh, like a Dr. Z airbrake or... Um... Yeah. Airbrakes are actually pretty good. I don't know. Um, yeah. So there's two versions of this. This is the mini, which means I, I think this one only goes up to 50 watts. The the big boy goes up to like 100 watts or 150 watts, something like that. Um, yeah. But it's really, really usable. It sounds great. And it's got a cool feature on it. So if you see the big knob here in the middle, you've got like three different settings. So you've got the interior ring, the middle ring, and the outer ring. So... Depending on how you have, oh, here we go, <laughs> how you have this switch, you have a high and a low setting. So right now, if I were to switch this to low, it's now on the interior ring, which is right now minus 10 dB. And then I could go flip it up to high, that's minus 7 dB. And then you have a solo boost here. So you could put this on your pedal board next to you on, on stage, or what I usually do is I put it on top of my amp. And so you have a solo boost which will allow it to, in this setting, go from minus 10 dB or minus 7 dB to minus 4 dB, which is a considerable change in output volume. So oh. uh, the way I like to use it is I run it at this setting. I usually run it at minus 7 dB because I find, especially on my FTR, that that's a good setting for live. And there's been a couple of times during sets, I took this on the Black Keys tour last year, um, and I found that, like, there was a couple of times during the set I would want to take a solo and maybe the front of house guy didn't know that I was going to take a solo and not and to push me forward. And in a big room like that, you can kind of get buried. So I would just walk back to my amp, hit that button and have the amp essentially kick out. Like in this setting, you can basically turn it off. If you hit that solo boost, it goes to zero dB uh, gain reduction and it's just basically off. The other cool thing about it is it has a DI line out on the back. So you can take your basically unaffected amps signal and you can send it to a cab sim, for example. Um, you can send it to, you know, straight to a DAW and record it. You can do all kinds of stuff with it. So, yeah. Best attenuator the, on the those, market, I think. Those are great. The only, my only complaint about the Iron Man attenuators is their own specific. They are ohm specific, um, which which yeah. is so. I got the eight ohm one because I feel like that's probably the most widely usable. Yeah, or the sixteen maybe, but yeah, yeah. That I think the best feature on it, uh, apart from the solo boost, which is really cool, but for your average person, they probably won't use that. But the presence switch, because mm. if you've never used an attenuator, how it changes the high end high end response of of your your amp it can be kind of drastic like i feel like the the attenuator in the aux kind of sucks all your life out of your sound you have to make up for it back on the amp yeah um, not not necessarily going straight into a a, a daw from the, the 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 cab simulation just the the um just the attenuator itself going back into your cabinet but but yeah, the Iron Man's are great. We had we had them at Carter. I remember once I didn't realize they were wattage specific because I had always used um I had the big train wreck air brake um yeah. 
I had the brake, the brake light as well, but I had the air brake and that thing can handle like a hundred plus Watts. And I plugged the hundred watt Marshall into the 50 watt air brake. Oh, uh, you could have cooked an egg on it. It yep. got real hot. Yeah. So yeah. And I yeah, think this one, one thing too, I was Go just ahead. gonna say that the the power adapter on that only works the LED, right? Yeah, and it has a nine volt too, and it's only for the okay. LED. Um, yeah, yeah. So I I never powered it or anything just because it was not a thing. But what I would do is um, taking it out with like Noah, where we we would run in ears, is I would basically run uh, the Iron Man two into at the time I was using a cab Zeus stereo cab Zeus. And then I would basically run the cab Zeus to our in-ear rig, basically making my own sort of ox in a way. Um, right. So yeah, super useful. They're built like a tank. Um, yeah. I, and I, I just think they're really, really cool to have around cause you can, you know, it's, I mean, everyone, if you're playing big amps and by big amps, I mean really anything over 20 Watts, 25 Watts, uh, you need something to attenuate the volume if you like to push it live uh, because then you can keep the amp in its sweet spot where it likes to live at a reasonable stage volume. Sure. Yeah, and the difference between like 150 watts is only like three decibels. So knocking stuff down a little bit, it can can be a dramatic like change in perceived volume. Uh, and yep. that's how I used to, because I, I use the the big, air brake on my z-rec and would just knock it down like a couple clicks and that was enough to make it tolerable right right so there you go everyone that's shill of the week uh we'll have both those things linked down in the description box uh i don't think they're affiliate links because we haven't set up any kind of affiliate program but maybe we should do that um yeah yeah i think that does it for episode whatever this is (laughs) 14 14 (laughs) yeah nice <laughs> uh I, if you haven't man, done s- my, i should just have like post-it notes everywhere reminding yeah. me of everything going on right um yeah like we said subscribe i think we're over what 2000 something now on youtube yeah i think we're getting close to three wow so hop on the bandwagon it's uh Come you on. don't want the train to train to leave without you <laughs> <laughs> yeah if you don't subscribe you'll never see us again uh, yeah, and if you want to join the Patreon, $2 a month, you can join in with all these fine people here in the chat um, while we are recording live, which is fun. Anything right. else to plug before we leave? I don't think so. Uh, everyone, uh, buy something cool if there's still a sale going on this week because there probably will be. Yeah, there probably will be. Black Friday will last all the way to Christmas this year probably. So there you go. Oh, be sure to leave a comment back to what we said in the very beginning about what merch designs you like, and we will make sure yeah. to make those happen. So nice. Yes. All right, everyone. Well, we will see y'all next week. Bye. <laughs>